0: Adolf Hitler's voice on the radio was unmistakable. Shrill, forceful, it assured the people of Germany that the Fuhrer was alive and well. It also promised swift vengeance on those who that day had tried to kill him. Within the borders of the Third Reich, Nazi justice was already being dispensed. In a Berlin courtyard, Count Klaus von Stauffenberg lay dead under the focused headlights of several trucks they illuminated his bullet-torn uniform and the iron cross he had won for valor. A short distance away, General Ludwig Beck, who was supposed to head the new government, slumped in a hallway. The bullet he had fired into his brain had failed to kill him. One revolver shot into his neck by a guard had been the coup de grace. Instead of assuming command of the armed forces, General Erwin von Witzelben was at home, saying farewell to his family. The bewildered officer had no escape route planned, but he knew he had to flee. The secret police would find him within hours. In Paris, General von Stupnagel released SS officers and men he had imprisoned and fled to the countryside. Near Metz, he placed a gun at his temple and shot himself. The bullet only blinded him, and he was taken prisoner by his pursuers the men who plotted to destroy Adolf Hitler and the Nazi regime had committed the one unpardonable offense. They had failed to cut off the head that ruled the body. And now they would pay the supreme penalty—death, but not quickly in most cases. In the cellars of the Plotzensee and Prinz Albrechtstrasse, torturers were beginning to pry secrets, names, dates from victims unable to withstand the torment— it would only be a matter of days before thousands of conspirators would be dragged to extinction. At Army Group HQ in Russia, General Henning von Treskow was resigned to death. For more than a year he had been a traitor to the Nazi regime, and when he received a private call telling him the plot had failed, Treskow laughed bitterly, for he knew firsthand how difficult it was to kill the Fuhrer. Only months before he had secreted a brandy bottle on Hitler's plane, Inside the bottle was a bomb scheduled to detonate high over the Ukraine. But the timing mechanism failed, and Hitler landed safely, totally unaware of the attempt to kill him. One of Treskow's friends retrieved the evidence and destroyed it, leaving the general free to continue his vendetta. But when Stauffenberg's bomb failed to kill the dictator, Treskow had no illusions. He would be found out in the roundup of enemies of the state. After writing a last letter to his family, He walked off into a nearby meadow. When he reached a deserted spot, Treskow pulled out a grenade, held it to his head, and died in the violent explosion that followed. General Treskow had escaped the only way he could from the police state that would have broken him. He knew the power of the Schutzstaffel, the black uniformed SS, and he chose not to fall into their hands and in this moment of crisis for the embattled Reich, legions of SS men were performing their assigned tasks with the ardor they had shown ever since Hitler chose this group as his elite corps of bodyguards, both for him and for the nation. Always loyal, never questioning edicts from the leader, the SS had waged a war of extermination across Europe. They ran the gas chambers, the concentration camps, the mass shooting galleries. The experimental farms where human guinea pigs ostensibly furthered the cause of science. And now it was an easy chore for them to track down the wretches who had attempted assassination and a coup d'etat. By the second week in August, barely three weeks after the bomb blast in Rostenburg, the secret police had pleased Hitler immensely. By that time they had given him a list of the major plotters and had captured almost all. Hitler praised their efficiency and urged them on to even more sadistic heights as they broke bodies to gain more information. In the SS, at least, Hitler realized he had a force that would protect him to the end. That end seemed near. And all the time Heinrich Himmler's men were carrying out Fuhrer decrees unhesitatingly, SS leaders vigorously prepared for a life of their own, if and when Germany collapsed. Adolf Hitler was never to know this. His deputy Martin Bormann did know and he managed to cloak the efforts in secrecy. Bormann had given the ultimate order to his brotherhood of comrades, for he too planned to carry on with or without the Führer. The canny peasant from Bavaria had no intention of perishing in a final to d'Emeron.